Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Thanks so much for listening to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood is just an opportunity where we get to chat with our neighbors and hearing what they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Jason Thomas. He's one of the recruiters for AMI Kids. Jason, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So what is AMI Kids? So AMI Kids, we're a nonprofit organization. We're dedicated to helping youth and developing uh, responsible and productive citizens. Uh, basically, we're taking those, those, those individuals uh, and giving them an alternate to uh, staying in the criminal justice system. Um, we um, are looking to uh, uh, help protect public safety and possibly impact as many youth as possible through the uh, efforts of our uh, staff. This is focused towards youth becoming productive citizens, but Jason, I know some adults that aren't even productive citizens. So how do you help? What we teach, so we we teach them the skills that will uh, help them um, get a job, have a a skill. Specifically, our program that we work with um, is designed at getting them um, careers in the skilled trades. So we uh, provide the OSHA 10 certification, uh, the NCCER core construction skills uh, certification, and uh, also provide them with job readiness uh, preparation. We help them with their resume. We help them with their cover letter, references, thank you letter. And on top of that, uh, my, my coworker, uh, Tamara, she also assists with uh, lining up apprenticeship and job opportunities for those individuals so as soon as they leave us they are going into a position where they can uh, better themselves learn that skilled trade and move on so before we switch it over to Tamara, because i definitely want to hear about that jason what age are these kids and then what's their backgrounds because i feel like so many times like with the resume stuff and filling things out you learn that in school or you learn it from your parents yeah so uh, they're um they, they can be ages 16 to 24 uh, and they come, uh, as far as background, we have a very diverse background. Uh, we have individuals that, you know, again, are troubled youth. We also have individuals that are wanting to get additional um, skills and certifications that they can put on a resume. So when they do get done with high school, if they choose not to go to college, they do that. Or even if they choose to go to college and get out, the NCCR certification is a lifetime certification. It's always going to be on that resume. They're going to have it. As far as OSHA 10, OSHA uh, sets all of our occupational safety um, guidelines. So that's always a great um, skill to have and certification to have on your resume. Yeah, whether you're a, a troubled youth or not, what? how did this all all start from the get-go? Uh, so the, the way all this got started is we've kind of, uh, America's kind of put ourselves in the hole. For, uh, you know, a couple decades ago, we really started to shift and say, oh, everybody needs to go to college. Everybody should get a college degree. That's the only way you're going to be successful. You need to go to college. And we kind of neglected the skills trade, skilled trades. And so what we're looking at now is we're looking at an aging workforce in the skilled trades industry. And we do not have the skilled individuals coming up behind them right now to be able to fulfill 
all of the needs that we have in, in the U.S. right now. And so, obviously, with skilled trades, you know, it's it, it's just like sports. You know, basketball, I played basketball. You don't, I didn't go out on the court learning how to dribble behind my back, through my leg, make a layup with the opposite hand the first time I went out. It took hours upon hours of practice and building that, and the same thing goes with these skilled trades. It's not something that we can replace overnight. Those, those people have to come in. They have to spend time underneath somebody else. They have to learn all the tricks and skills associated with that trade so that they can come in and have the expertise and experience to do a great job for those individuals they're working for. I want to go ahead and switch over to Tamara now. Um, Tamara, what's your role with AMI Kids? Um, I am a job recruiter, so my job is to basically build relationships within the community with our pre-apprenticeship program, and it's also to ensure that our participants come through the program, they set realistic goals. After they set the goals, we try to get them as close as possible to the goals or exceed the expectations when it comes to those goals. And then it's also my job to pair them with positions within the community or in the construction trades. And if they want to go to college, it's my job to go to a college or university and guide them along the way so that they are able to successfully enroll into a program. So say I just need more information and I want help from y'all. What's the process look like with you sitting down with me and helping? So if somebody's interested in a program or if you're interested in a program, you would just call us up and say, hey, I'm interested in the pre-apprenticeship program. How would I get started? I would... Uh, tell you to come in, complete the paperwork. I would give you a tour of the building and just we would go from there and I get you registered into the system. We have classes on Tuesdays or Thursdays and we're also here Monday through Friday and you can come in and start taking classes. One thing you said was helping them create realistic goals. What's that mean? So we focus on short-term goals and long-term goals. So somebody may want to get a car, but they also may be 16 years old. So that will be a long-term goal because they would have to first get a job uh, work on life skills, saving money, budgeting, that sort of thing. And then we would check back in with that goal a year later and try to see how we can get them as close as possible to get in a car. Because um, unless, you know, you are well off or something like that, you probably won't just be able to go to a dealership and get a car. And we have the short-term goals where they may just want to get a job or master the skills when it comes to mock interviewing or something like that. So then we would work together as far as getting them ready to get a job or something like that or something of that nature. And for the youth that you guys help, y'all said it's ages 16 to 24. Are these kids that are in and out of juvie or kids that need help or just both? So this is just open to the community. Our program is actually open to the community. So if you're between the ages of 16 and 24, you can just call us up and say, hey, I'd like to get started and we'll take it from there. So it's not really geared to a type of uh, participant. It's just anybody who's between the ages of 16 and 24. Do you have any success stories, Tamara, that you've been able to help out a kid and, and witness the growth? Yes, we actually have a participant who just finished. He came to us. He's actually a student at FSCJ, and he uh, didn't really know what he wanted to do. And he was pretty disappointed because it was taking him so long to complete his associate's degree. And so he actually came through our program, completed his OSHA 10, completed his job readiness, and completed his NCCER core curriculum. And then we were able to get him um, in an apprenticeship program, and he's actually working for Miller Electric over at FIS right now. Oh, my gosh. So they, they seriously come to you, and you 
help them all the way to the point of getting a job. Right. And so we actually keep up with them even after they get the job. So, yeah, he's working right now um, and he gives me updates on how he's doing pictures for the job site. And he's even offered to come back and help uh, our students that we have now and give them a realistic view of what it's like to work in construction. Tamara, what is your overall vision with AMI Kids? So our overall vision is pretty much to separate a troubled past from a a bright future. So no matter where you come from, no matter what you've been through, um, we just want to help you get on the right track. And if you're already on the right track, we just want to help you get started um, in life where you have the tools so that you can be successful. And then this is going to be for, for Jason. Jason, what kind of expenses are y'all having to tend to? Uh, sorry, I didn't have the phone right there. Could you repeat that question? Yeah, that's okay. What kind of expenses do you guys have to tend to? What kind of expenses as far as us or as far as the the individuals coming in? Um, I, I think both because you said it's a nonprofit, but y'all are offering a lot of help. Yeah, well, we uh, with 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 our program in particular, we get to thank uh, Lenar Holmes uh, as uh, supporting us through uh, a, a grant to um, try to develop the construction workforce and assist in trying to funnel more um, uh, youth into those skilled trades. So right now, you know, they 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 are financially supporting this program. Uh, there is no cost to the participants who want to come in. So they're gonna get, you know, their OSHA 10. Uh, it's gonna be paid for, the training's gonna be paid for. They're gonna get their NCCR. They're gonna get all the, the, the workforce um, uh, development, uh, the job readiness, the resume building. I, I helped them a lot with the resume building, with, with, with references, uh, cover letters, uh, getting them prepared for that. And upon completion of the program, they're going to get a $300 stipend. And so it's a, it's a wonderful program in that regard. And then they're going to shift over to Tamara, and Tamara's going to place them in a job as she already keeps up with different uh, apprenticeships, programs, employers, as far as being able to uh, place them somewhere uh, in the community or, or, or outside if they're looking to, to move out somewhere different. Are you guys in need of volunteers? Like, what do you need from the community to come alongside and support you? Well, re- really, uh, just word of mouth, spreading the word about the program, getting it out there. I mean, that's what we've been trying to do to this point. We're both new additions to this program and it really hasn't been pushed in this area like it mm-hmm. should have. And we're right now we're just really working hard just to get our name out there get it available to as many people out there as far as the program and and what we offer because even if they're not between the ages of 16 to 24 many people know somebody and they're like oh hey yeah you need to look up with ami look up ami kids and uh check out this program it may be something you're interested in tell me the website where we can go in and sign up if we're interested um or just learn more information so you can reach you can reach us uh, the, the um you can reach tamra at 904-576-7337. Her email address is tkaiwa, K-A-I-W-A, at amikids.org. Or you can reach out to myself. Uh, My phone number is area code 318-550-1481. And my email address is jthomas at amikids.org. Okay, well, both Tamara and Jason, thank you guys so much for serving our community and being such sweet neighbors.
Thank you again. Thank you for having us. We appreciate your, uh, your time. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at Jacksonville.radio. Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Hey, and welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood, it's all about getting to know our neighbors, hearing what really great stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with, it's Kenley Kubart. She's the development director for the Betty Griffin Center. Kenley, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Kenley, give me a rundown on what the Betty Griffin Center is. So Betty Griffin Center is the safety shelter of St. John's County. We offer quality services and protection to survivors of domestic violence and sexual abuse victims. We have things like our shelter, our helpline, which is available 24-7. We have sexual assault recovery services and many more. Wow. So can you kind of share with me, you said you have a lot of services. Let's hit on the shelter aspect first. What is that? Yes. So we have a private shelter. It is confidential for the safety of our survivors. Mm -hmm. And we offer, it's an empowerment-based program where you come when you need that protection and we have case management and um, we have children therapists and we just get you on a safety plan and help you rebuild your life. And And so to go back a little bit, say we are in a a violent relationship, we can call the Betty Griffin Center and we can come in no questions asked. So we will have you do an intake with one of our counselors and see what's best for you. But your Mm -hmm. safety is number one. We will once we get that helpline call, we'll kind of assess the situation and what we need to do to get you to a safe location. And how can we reach the the helpline? Yes. So the helpline is available 24-7, 365 days a year. Mm-hmm. That number is 904-824-1555. And you just call anytime you need. And you can call for someone. So if yeah. you know someone you want to get help for them, you can call and get those services as well. And what, since you brought it up, Kenley, how do we know if someone is in an abusive relationship? So if you check out our website, the BettyGriffinCenter.org, we have a learn more page. And that'll really get you kind of looking for those warning signs mm-hmm. or things to look for and how you can maybe ask those questions or get them the help they may need. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of times people might not want to leave that abusive relationship just because of the sake of the kids. So is there room at the shelters and even in counseling? Is that available for, for the kids? Yes. So our shelter will take adults and children wow. um, involved in situations. We also offer the counseling services 
um, outside of shelter. So maybe you don't need the shelter, but you're still needing those counseling. We have those services as well. How much would this cost somebody? All of our services are free to survivors and their families. Wow. So that brings me to how are you guys able to offer all of this? We do this with um, state funding and grants and the support of our community members. So donations and just um, donations of products that we need to like toiletries, cosmetics, um, hairbrushes, just those simple donations all the way to monetary. It's just they all go such a long way for our families and shelter. And say for the monetary donations, what does that money go towards? It goes to everything from most of our services and just getting them the help they need. Um, legal assistance, we do have an attorney who will wow. help with those injunctions for protections and many more things. Yes. Kenley, what is the history of the Betty Griffin Center? So in 1990, it started out as just a shelter, um, but as the need grew in the community, so did all of the services. Wow. And who is Miss Betty Griffin? Betty Griffin is the grandmother of um, Miss Alice Colson, um, who helped fund or found Betty Griffin Center. Mm. And say, going back a little, yeah, we can donate money, but you said maybe toiletries and things like that are just as needed and appreciated. Where can we go to donate that? You can go to our website and under donate, there's a tab called Wishlist, and that has everything from cleaning supplies, paper products. Um, and those basic toiletries that are needed year-round. So the Betty Griffin Center, you guys are local to Jacksonville. What's something that's really special to you about the Betty Griffin Center that you find unique in this organization? So we are actually local to St. John's County, and we do wonderful work with Jacksonville. Um, They have their own called Hubbard House, Mm -hmm. and there's many other services um, in everybody's counties. There is one in each surrounding county as well, but we do all partner together to bring the safety to those wow. survivors. And w- one thing is, yes, you guys ask for donations, um, again, whether that's toiletries or monetary, but you guys also host really fun events and all of those proceeds go towards the center. Yes, we do. We have annual events and then we have community members put on events and just drives around the community. They're all, all the funds go back to our programs and services for survivors. What kind of events do y'all have coming up? We have our biggest fundraiser of the year, the Run for Peace 5K, and that will be on April 9th. Okay, Run for Peace. Where is this happening? Run for Peace will be at the St. Augustine Beach Pier. It will begin at the pier, and then it will, sorry, it will run through some beautiful beach neighborhoods and end at the pier. How can we get signed up for that, Kenley? Yes, if you guys want to register to run or walk, it's the runforpeace5k.org. And are y'all still in need for volunteers for that? Yes, volunteers are needed. We have over 100 positions to fill. Wow. Um, things from the registration table, passing out water bottles, passing out finisher medals, um, and just really cheering them on around the whole route and making sure they don't get lost in the neighborhood, um, and just cheering them on and bringing awareness to the cause. Hmm. You said it's called the Run for Peace. Why did y'all decide to call it that? Because um, our goal is peace in the community Hmm. and then peace in the world. So we just want people to get out and whether they want to run or walk it, uh, it's just bringing awareness and bringing a purpose to that word peace. So that's why we chose it. What time does it start? 8 a.m. 8 a.m.? Okay, and then what can we expect after the race? Will you all have vendors and things like that as well? Yes, so if you guys are wanting to register morning up, we'll be open starting at 6.30 in the morning. Come register, we'll have vendors set up. 
um, some massages, some snacks, just kind of enjoy everybody's company. We'll have a warm-up workout, and then we'll take off. We are doing a fun competition this year called Beat the Chief, and so the Chief St. Augustine Beach Police will be running as well, Oh, and there's a prize to beat him. (laughs) Is he fast? (laughs) We hope so. (laughs) Are we allowed to know what the prize is or no, just run fast? It is going to be $5 off next year's registration. Oh, that's good. (laughs) That's fun. And so with registration, the money, it goes towards the Betty Griffin Center. Is there a specific that the money will help? So it just goes to um, an unrestricted amount, a fund where we just can put the money right where it's needed when it's needed. So Mm -hmm. whether it's items at the shelter or the counseling services and just things like that. Kenley, what is, what is y'all's main need right now? Our main need is just monetary donations. Um, they really help us go the farthest because just things arise and you never know when we need to replace flooring or a water heater at shelter. And it's just having those funds, being able to just do it right then and there. And you serve St. John's County, but say we live in Duval, but for some reason we want to reach out to you guys. Will you still take us? We will, or we'll partner with um, other communities and counties. Okay. And then, Kenley, what does it look like for your community to partner with you? Just really bring the healing and hope for our survivors of domestic and sexual abuse. Um, Our services are very impactful. We have so many people come to us and leave us empowered and just ready to take on life again and just feel great and move on. Are you able to share a success story that you've been able to be a part of? Yes. So we've had um, a participant come in, and she had five kids, and she was in an abusive relationship, and she just had to get out, and he was arrested, and we got her the services she needed, um, the legal assistance. She was able to get all of her kids to safety, and then after the program and shelter, they now have a house, she has a job, she has a car, and she's just they're just living their life and safe no you literally helped her transform her and her children's lives around yes it was it was a great it's a great story we're just so happy to see how far she's come and we are happy we're able to be able to provide those services for them not just with the run but for day-to-day activities is the betty griffin center in need of volunteers we do we need volunteers year-round we have two thrift stores who um, are always in need of volunteers to go through donations, Mm. set up stuff on the floor, and just really help um, people find what they're looking for at the stores. Those are another great source of income. Whether you guys want to donate or shop there, all the money does go back to services as well. And how can we find out about the thrift stores? So you can visit online, of course. I'll give you the exact addresses. One is in St. Augustine, and the second location is in Fruit Cove. so, yeah, we have lots of great items there from clothing to toys, sporting goods, kitchenware, you name it. All right. And again, I had the privilege of chatting with Kenley Kubart, the Saint, the pardon, the, with the Betty Griffin Center. And they have a run for peace. It's happening April 9th at the St. Augustine Pier. Tell us again how we can register, Kenley. Yes. Visit runforpeace5k.org. Okay, thanks for being such a great neighbor in our neighborhood and for everything you're doing. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.
Well, Easter is approaching and there is definitely beauty for ashes. We're gonna invite you to join us at Impact Church on Saturday, April the 16th at 6 o'clock p.m. or Sunday, April the 17th at 8 a.m., 10 a.m. or 12 noon for a word that is designed just for you. You can either meet us in person at Impact Church in the Regency Square Mall or online at weareimpact.com. We have a lot of surprises waiting for you on Easter Sunday, and so we'd love to see you worship with us that day. It's important to love what you do and who you do it for. And that's easy when you work at American Electrical Contracting. They're always looking for new ways to invest in their employees. This year alone, they've increased employee benefits by 25%, doubled their life insurance policy, and added an extra scheduled holiday. Plus, they offer tuition assistance for higher education. American Electrical Contracting focuses on excellence and professionalism. Pursue excellence personally and professionally at American Electrical Contracting. Hiring now. Call 737-7770. Visit American-Electrical.com. Florida's leader in gate access and video controls is right here in Jacksonville. Sunbelt Gated Access Systems. Call the professionals at Sunbelt Gated Access Systems today for your building security needs. Sunbelt Gated Access Systems has everything you need from custom gates and security cameras to cloud-based building access control. Sunbelt Gated Access Systems partners with major product vendors that allows them to customize the system for all your security needs. Florida's leader is also serving Southeast Georgia. Visit SunbeltSYS.com. SunbeltSYS.com. Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Hey, and welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby. And North Florida Neighborhood is all about getting to know our neighbors and hearing what really sweet stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we're chatting with is Tammy Gagne, the Director of Social Services with the Salvation Army. Tammy, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Colby. So before we kind of get into this new gift y'all have just been given, Tammy, can you give me a rundown on who and what the Salvation Army is and what y'all do? Absolutely. So we are a church and we're also a nonprofit social services agency. So here in Jacksonville, we provide a transitional housing shelter, a food pantry, community meals for lunch and dinner, as well as holiday programs, to name a few of the things that we do. Yeah, best known for usually like toys for tots, right? Uh, close. We do the Angel Tree program. Oh, and okay. So <laughs> similar. So we have families, they sign up typically actually uh, late summer, early fall time for holiday assistance. So we do Thanksgiving baskets. And then the Angel Tree program is where a family is sponsored by a donor for their children's wish list. And that's for children ages 0 to 12. You guys do stuff year round, not just during the holidays. But one of the really big things you guys do is offer food assistance to really any and everybody. So tell me what was just gifted to y'all to help the food industry tenfold. Absolutely. So about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we were gifted three aeroponic towers. And then in January of 2021, we got our fourth aeroponic tower donated to us. And what these are, we call them garden towers, (laughs) because if you look at them, they are growing things you would find in your garden uh, in a very unique environment where they can be grown inside. It's actually a soilless growing um, venue and inside we grow a variety of lettuces and herbs Uh, we also have lavender on one of our towers because it really improves the air quality but if you have towers that can be outside as well the opportunities are endless of what you could grow on these so if somebody gifted one of these to me I would 
be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. I don't know what to do with it. So what, now that y'all have four, what are y'all doing with them? Other than growing well, food. Well, I had that I had that first thought when I saw mine too. It was like, oh my goodness, how do I get these up and running and keep them successful? So we went out to, we had a little field trip, myself and two staff, out to Atlantic Beach Urban Farms to see theirs because I was told they had some and they do. They're a fantastic local company. I would encourage anybody to check them out. Um, but they really are the ones who helped us get the towers up and running. They come and they do the seedlings for us. And seedlings are what you get that'll eventually turn into the lettuce or the herbs, or we also grow microgreens as well. Um, they're phenomenal to work with. Is it hard to use? Because you said it's soilless, so I don't even know where to begin. So because Atlantic Beach Urban Farms helps us with our seedlings, I cannot walk you through what that process <laughs> is. But I can tell you that once you have your seedlings, they are very easy. They really take care of themselves. Hours on the inside of our building, they have lights. And the lights are on 16 hours out of the day, and they mimic natural sunlight. And then the water is in this all-self-contained environment, and it runs for 15 minutes out of every 60 minutes of the day. So there's always plenty of hydration for the seedlings that are growing to make sure they blossom into beautiful produce. Does all of this mean, like, speed up the process of what it would usually take to grow a head of lettuce? I am not a gardener, so I'm not sure if it speeds okay. up the process, but I can say it takes about three weeks from the time a seedling is put into one of the towers to it being ready to harvest. It could take up to four weeks, um, at least for lettuces, herbs, and the microgreens that we grow. Things can be different depending what you're growing, like if you're growing tomatoes or cucumbers, peppers, eggplants, which are all options if you have a tower that can go outside. Um, those might take a little bit longer. It just depends on the plant that's in them. But inside, about every three weeks, we have a different harvest that comes off our towers and we have our towers on a rotation so one week it's herbs the next week is one of the towers that has lettuce in it the following week is another tower which is what we found works best after having all the towers ready all at once and we had so much lettuce we did not know what to do with it all <laughs> and what's the benefit of giving this to the salvation army out of all people why y'all so the donor was very invested in what we do and knows that we have residents here in our transitional housing shelter so that anything we grow in these would absolutely be feeding the residents or helping to feed the residents of the Towers Center of Hope here in downtown Jacksonville. But as we grow more and more things, we have enough items like the lettuces in particular that could also go out through our food pantry to serve those in the community that we're giving food boxes to. Okay, so instead of kind of having to seek out food you guys are cutting out the middleman and y'all are growing it yourself yes we're trying we do not make enough to at this time we do not produce enough i should say to self-sustain ourselves at a hundred percent so at some point in the future i would love to be able to do that i would love to have another 18 to 24 of these towers to truly be self-sustaining on the produce front um, but in the meantime this is an amazing supplement that we're able to do have you found a certain response from other people do they love it everybody lo absolutely the, uh, residents love it the <laughs> staff love it um, and you can see the differences i know we're on the radio so you can't actually <laughs> see the differences but the lettuce you buy in the grocery store um, or that we buy through our vendors is what you see in the grocery store and it's got that light green color medium green color the lettuces in particular, and kale and spinach, because we grow those as well at times. Right now we don't have that, but we did just a couple weeks ago, is such a vibrant dark green, and the flavor is so different from what you get in like a bag of salad mix that everyone can tell the difference when this is on the salad bar, whether it's mixed in with some other 
salad mix we've got from a vendor or that it's entirely off our towers. It just depends on how much the harvest was. Everybody can tell when it's in there. It's crazy that it's that big of a difference. Yes. And I've tried it myself as well. I happen to love salad. And I will say the lettuce is, it is like growing it in your own garden. And you know, there's a tremendous difference in the quality and the taste when you grow it yourself versus when you're buying it, where it may have been picked, you know, a day before, a week before or whatnot. There's just such a difference when it is truly farm fresh. Oh, a hundred case aeroponic fresh. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I don't grow food myself very often, but when I do, like I, I really do taste that difference. And I only know what these aeroponic garden towers look like because I was sent a photo, but can you kind of describe what they look like? Sure. So the four that we have have a round base and then they have a tower that comes out of them. And each of the towers can have a variety of numbers um, of levels let's say, where you grow four to five plants on each level, depending on the size. So ours have between five and seven levels. So at any time, we've got uh, 24 up to 35 plants growing on each one. And then it has this contraption, let's call it, that goes over it. It fits right into it. That is its timer for the water as well as the lights and then the lights that attach to it. They look like little floppy rabbit ears, actually, that run the whole length of the tower. And this is one style of aeroponic tower. There are others. If you do go online and you just plug in aeroponic garden tower, aeroponic tower, tower gardens, any of those search terms will bring up different versions of the aeroponic towers. And was this just an impromptu gift or have y'all been in need of something like this and not really recognizing it? I think we were in need of something like this and not recognizing it. So when the donor who did the original three had approached the Salvation Army and said, hey, I want to give these to you, we definitely, we took them, we were excited about them and just ran with them. And then realizing what their potential was really came about for me during COVID when it was a struggle at times to get fresh produce. Mm -hmm. And this is a way that we can produce our own. And as I mentioned earlier, if we can get to where we're 100% self-sustaining, it wouldn't matter if something like COVID hit us again, because we would always be able to at least have fresh produce Mm -hmm. on site. And how many people roughly are y'all able to feed just with these four? Like you said, the residents and some people that come in, but do you have a number? I do not, but I could get you one. Oh, that's okay. No worries. And Tammy, y'all do so much for the community and, and there are so many needs that are unspoken that need to be filled. So what can your community do for you as of right now? Well, if anybody else has any of these towers they would like to donate, I would be happy to take them off their hands, or even if they're not functioning at 100%, because we can always check them out and see what's needed to fix it, get it up and running for us. Or financial donations are always welcome, and you can donate through our website, which is salvationarmynefl.com. I'm sorry, .org. That's salvationarmynefl.org. And you can also call us. Not necessarily to um, donate over the phone because we do not take over the phone donations, but if you have inquiries about volunteer opportunities, you can check out the website or call us at 904-356-8641. Again, that's 904-356-8641. Okay, Tammy, thank you so much for being such a great neighbor in our neighborhood and for just continuously serving us. Wonderful. Thank you so much for having me, Colby. I am always happy to talk about the amazing things that we've got going down here at the Salvation Army. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.
Welcome to Jacksonville.Radio. We're a family of radio stations serving the Jacksonville and South Georgia areas. As a service to our community, we highlight organizations and events that help make this area the best place in the country to live. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Hey, and welcome to North Florida Neighborhood. I'm Colby, and North Florida Neighborhood, it's all about getting to know our neighbors and hearing what really great stuff they're doing with us and for us in our community. And today, the neighbor we get to chat with is Holly Karras. She's the chief curator for the Cummer Museum of Art and Gardens. Holly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yes, Holly, now give me a rundown on what the Cummer is all about. Oh my gosh, the Cummer Museum of Art and Gardens is about so... So, so much. Um, we are an, an art museum, and we also have historic gardens. So there should be a little something here for everyone. Inside the building, uh, we've got artwork ranging from ancient Egypt wow. all the way up through the present day. Um, and then, like I said, we've got these great historic gardens that are listed in the National Register of Historic Places that date from 1903 to 1931. And then we bring in changing exhibitions a couple times a year. And we also have a hands-on interactive learning area. And we have a cafe. And we're open two nights out of the week. And we do concerts. And we do lectures. And we do art classes. So literally, there is something for anybody to come experience at the Cummer. It's a one-stop shop. Okay, so let's hit on first the exhibit that you recently put into the Cummer. Yes. So we just are opening a new exhibition called American Perspectives, and it's a collection of highlights from the American Folk Art Museum in New York City. And then what what can we expect when we see that? You know, um, so there are about 80 works of art in the exhibition, and, you know, it's it's a little bit of everything that you may think of when you think of folk art. So, mm-hmm. yes, there are quilts. Yes, there are animal carvings. Yes, there are, you know, furniture pieces. Uh, we have a carousel horse. We have some um, historic shop signs, which were a big, um, a big element of folk art production. We also have some um, some portraits. But you know, one of the things. So basically, we have a lot of different types of folk art production. But one of the things that was really um, compelling to me when I was looking at this exhibition is, um, and one of the reasons I particularly actually really like folk art, is that, you know, folk art is really just all about people who have this this desire to create and a desire to make. And, you know, it doesn't... You don't, you don't necessarily have to be the person in the history book, right? You don't have to be, you know, some big name, flashy artist to understand the need to want to make stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about this great maker community that we have in Jacksonville right now. You know, these are these are folks who just 
who just had the need to create something. And I think, you know, the beautiful thing about pulling together an exhibition of folk art is not only celebrating this human spirit of creativity and the desire to want to you know, record what's happening around you in some tangible way, but it is also about celebrating kind of the everyday voices and the, every, the everyday experiences that make up America. That's why this mm. particular exhibition is called American Perspectives, because it really seeks to... Um, you know, to drill down again, not to the, you know, to the, the, the necessarily the big names or the expected names or particular storylines, uh, you know, from people who make it into the art history books, but like what were everyday Americans thinking about from the time we, before we were a country, when we just started becoming a country all the way up into the 21st century, what are those individual mm. stories that, that people are experiencing that they want to record somehow in, and they use art to do that. And I think that, that kind of storytelling element in here is, is really exciting. After we come and see this new exhibit specifically, how do you want us to leave? You know, I would love if if people are able to kind of take a moment to reflect, mm-hmm. um, not only to think about, you know, where where they may see art and creativity in their everyday lives, uh, because, you know, chances are it's around you somewhere, even if you don't call it out as such, right? Um, but think about how how you and art intersect regularly. But then I think the other the other takeaway here is to think about, you know, not only your perspective, but the perspectives of others. Mm. And, you know, hopefully when you go through this exhibition and you look at this variety of material and you start to understand a little bit more about um, about the people who were making them, um, you know, it's it's about being able to communicate your story, but it's also about being able to hear and celebrate someone else's story who may be different mm. from yours. So those would be those would be kind of my two my two takeaways. I love that. And as we walk away from this exhibit and walk outside towards the gardens, Holly, what can we experience out there? Well, you know, spring is <laughs> Spring is the best time in Florida, right? Agreed, yes. Um, and we're just hopefully finishing up these, these little cold snaps that we've been yeah. having recently. So hopefully um, it will be getting a little bit warmer in the next couple of days and the sun is going to come out and it's going to stay there. Um, but we've got about two and a half acres of historic gardens on the St. John's River. Um, so if you're really lucky, some days you see a dolphin or five out there playing around. Um, but we've got... A a, you know, a lovely collection of three formally designed gardens by some of the most celebrated names in American landscape, um, including the Olmsted brothers, who were the sons of Frederick Law Olmsted, who designed Central Park. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a lovely place to, to wander through, see what's blooming. We've got a lot of azaleas, we've got a lot of roses, we've got a lot of delphinium and some foxglove that should be pushing pretty soon. Um, and just, you know, beautiful oak trees. Um, so it gives you a little bit of shade, uh, a lovely breeze coming off the water. Um, so we hope everyone just, just wanders around and admires you know, the beauty and being in nature and then get a great look at our famous St. John's River. 
Mm. And this year, it's a big year for the comer because you guys are celebrating your 60th anniversary. We're 60. Happy birthday! (laughs) Happy birthday! (laughs) Yes, um, yeah, so this year for us, uh, you know, certainly it's a big anniversary, um, Mm -hmm. and I'm sure that our founders, Arthur and Nina Kummer, um, could not have imagined um, the type of place that we have grown into today. So, certainly, one of the things that we want to do this year is, you know, to look back and celebrate some of our achievements and some of our highlights of the last 60 years. Um, but, you know, we also want to be forward-facing. Um, you know, our, one of our taglines is, you know, your community, your museum. Mm. Um, and we really we really believe that um, it's more than a tagline to us. So that's one of the reasons that this American Perspectives exhibition is so well-timed because we, we want to, you know, we want to hear people's stories and we want to be a part of their stories moving forward. So, um, yeah, we're, we're looking not only at American perspectives, but we have some other exhibitions that will be opening in the spring that are celebrating the permanent collection, uh, which has grown from 60 works of art left by Mrs. Kummer to more than 5,000. Wow. Uh, so yeah, so we've got, we've got a full 2022 of just good things happening at the museum and lots of opportunities for folks to come out and participate, whether that's daytime, whether it's evening, whether it's weekends. We've got free hours scattered in throughout the week. Um, and as I said, lots of classes and programs and concerts and and just come for lunch and stay for the museum. Yeah, that leads me to ask, how can we as a community helps, help celebrate the 60th anniversary? Yes. So first of all, come on out. Uh, we are open every day of the week except Monday, um, and you can find information about our hours and free admission periods on our website, which is Museum, all one word, dot org. Um, and then, like I said, we are going to be launching um, some, some feedback sessions, um, particularly on our social media channels, uh, to get people to, you know, to share their favorite Kummer memories, favorite Kummer photographs, and, and tell us what they'd like to see for the next 60 years. So that's going to be launching pretty soon. Um, but we've got some great programming coming up in the next couple months in conjunction with American Perspectives, including a music festival and a makers festival. Um, so lots and lots of stuff that will be happening here during the spring. We hope people come out and uh, and participate, if, either come back if they've been to the museum before or come for a first look if it's not something they thought about yet. And you talked about how you wanted us to leave after seeing this new exhibit. How do you want us to leave after seeing the comer as a whole? Oh, wow. I hope that when people leave the comer, um, they feel energized. Mm. I hope that they feel, um, you know, I guess energized if they needed to feel energized or they feel uh, rested and calm if they needed a place to feel calm. Um, that's one of the one of the things that I think is great about here is you can come and you can you know you can be part of you know, a loud activity or a loud event like a like a concert or you know a program or if you if you're hungry for something that's a little bit more personal and introspective and you know reflective especially given the, kind of the times that we're living in today um, then we're a place for that. That too. So I hope when people leave, we've met them wherever it is 
that they are on that day. Mm, what a beautiful thing to say. Holly, how can we find out more about The Comer and get in touch with y'all? Yeah, check out our website. Uh, as I said, www.comermuseum, C-U-M-M-E-R-M-U-S-E-U-M, all one word, dot org. And check us out on uh, Facebook, Instagram, all of the social media channels. We're here. We're ready. Okay, Holly, thank you so much for all you're doing. And thank you for being such a great neighbor in our neighborhood. Thanks so much for having me, Colby. Thank you for listening to Our North Florida Neighborhood. Listen again next week. And if you have an event or organization you'd like highlighted, please contact Colby King at Colby, C-O-L-B-I, at jacksonville.radio.